My name is Kent. I'm one of the pastors here at Soma, and typically about 75% of the time I'm up here preaching, uh, but today we get the opportunity to hear from Gary McCammon, which I'm really excited to introduce. Uh, so uh, many of you who have been at Soma for just the life of, we've been a congregation downtown would know Nate and Deb Dunlevy, who are now part of our Soma Northwest congregation. We were part of getting to send them out along with the people uh, who are in that congregation on the northwest side of the city. And uh, Nate and Deb, uh, to those who know them, know are just a life-giving their, their whole family are just uh, them and their, their children are, are life-giving people. They have been a huge part of influencing myself, of caring for me and my family, um, caring for many of you uh, that have connected with them. And then Nate, uh, when he told me, uh, so they were uh, uh, missionaries in Argentina for a number of years alongside the McCammons, uh, McCammons, Gary and Linda. And Nate told me that Gary and Linda, to them, uh, were the life-giving and Yoda masters and all things, uh, just senseis to uh, the them that Nate and Deb are to many of myself and many of, uh, of us. And so uh, he said that Gary was going to be in town and that he was uh, available to preach, as well as when we looked at this topic, we've been in this series on uh, practicing the way of Jesus and how do we actually find ourselves growing into the life of Jesus, that the gospel frees us from the guilt of sin and then also the power to sin, to change, to move, to mold, and to become actually formed into the image of a human life that we were meant to be, that God made us to be, that Jesus reflects. And this week we were talking about the role of suffering and the role of pain in change. And the more I've talked with Gary, the more I've uh, just you know, heard bits and pieces of, of uh, his and Linda's story uh, this is just a really uh, profound text, I think, for him to be able to communicate to us on, and I'm really excited to be able to sit under and learn. So I'm going to read uh, his text from James 1. So if you would, uh, open to James 1 with me. Towards the very back. Someone gets a page number, shut it out because I don't have it right now. 1001, thank you. Thanks, Brett. Oh, 1011? Oh, 1011. Thank you for the correction. 1011. James 1, verses 1 through 4. I'll read and then we'll have Gary come up forward and preach. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes and the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is the word, Lord. You know what it means when a preacher pulls out his phone and starts the stopwatch, don't you? Absolutely nothing. Not a thing. Who wants to be all that God wants them to be in every possible way? Raise it high. Don't be ashamed. You know, a couple of you don't, but that's okay. If that's true, what do you need to do? To be all that God wants you to be in every possible way. 
can't talk to me. When I ask questions, you can't, you can't like talk back. Yeah. What? Respond with obedience. What else? It's a wrong answer, but that's okay. Yeah, we're getting started, yeah. What else? Abide with him? Yeah, another not. That's a good answer, good answer. Empty yourself. Keep going. Excuse me? Be, be like, yeah, that's a tough act to follow, but yeah. But none of these, they're all good answers. It wasn't, total, it wasn't totally bad. But it's not the answer from our text this morning, if you're paying attention. What was that text? Go ahead and, I'm supposed to wink it. What's your name, Andrew? Jordan. Yeah, give me a Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and endurance has its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete. Perfect, all that God wants you to be. Complete in every possible way. So if we want to be perfect and complete, everything God wants us to be in every possible way, what do we need to do? In addition to all these other things, but James has something in particular in mind. Yeah, not just joy. But go ahead. Joy, yes, but when? Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. When we encounter various trials and testings, consider that joy. Then we can be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Who wants to be all that God wants them to be in every possible way? A few less, but not, still not. Did you understand what we're saying, though? Consider it joy. A joy when you encounter trials. This word trial, what's the biggest bridge around here? Hmm? You don't have bridges. Okay. <laughs> How far do you have to go to find a bridge? Louisville, we came across a huge one someplace along the... Louisville? Okay, okay. How many have been over that bridge? Okay. Now, before that was opened up to the public, what did they most likely do? Figure out how to charge for it? Yeah, how to pay for that thing. That was huge, man. But before they, they opened it to the public, they did some, sent some weight over that to, to show, you know, to, to see, you know, if, before you know, they send like a bicycle across to make sure that it was safe for the public, right? No? Hmm? What did they send across? Come on, this is going to be a long morning if you don't, you know. what, kind of, what kind of weight would they send across on that bridge before they opened it up to the public? Buses, how many buses? Lots and lots, big, heavy trucks and buses. Thank you, you're good, I appreciate you. To see, now, wh why? To, to see if it would hold up? Is that why they do it? To see if it will hold up? Is that why the engineers send truckloads and truckloads and truckloads across it? Because they're, sure, they're not sure if it'll hold up? 
Well, the engineer knows it's going to hold up. They send the weight across to demonstrate that it will hold up. They're not going, oh, God, I hope it holds up. I hope it holds up. I'm going to be really embarrassed. Unless they cut corners. But if they build it to specs, it's going to hold up. And they know it. So there's no fear in that. Now, there might be some um, engineering firm that didn't get the contract, and they're hoping, I hope it crashes, I hope it crashes, I hope it crashes. But they're not sending the weight to see if it will hold up. They're sending the weight over to show that it will. That's this word, trial. It's the weight to see if our faith will hold up. Yeah, I wonder, uh, wonder how much faith Kent's got. Let's see, let's, let's see if he can handle this. No, the weights are to demonstrate the bigness of our faith. Now, here's, this, this is, here's a fun fact. So the bigger your faith, what? What kind of, of test will it take? What kind of weight will it take to demonstrate that it's strong? The bigger your faith, the bigger the weight. Say it with me. The bigger my faith, the bigger the weight. Say it with a little more enthusiasm. You're catching on, aren't you? The bigger my, the bigger my faith, the bigger the weight. I mean, say it like you mean it, guys. But it's true. The bigger your faith, the more it's going to take to, to test it. It's the word testing, but not testing to see, if it, to see if it's genuine. It's testing to demonstrate. Because no trial will overtake us that we can't handle. God just promises that. It may seem like it, but the bigger my faith, the bigger the trial. So if you're having some pretty tremendous trials right now, what does that say? God trying to break you? Or trying to demonstrate that you really do have a bigger faith than you expected. The bigger my faith, the bigger the trial. (laughs) Praise God. Can you say praise God, hallelujah here? I don't get a lot of praise God hallelujahs on this, though. And it gets even better because the next part is knowing that the testing of your faith, testing, this is what happens to gold. How do you make gold pure gold? You what? You refine it. How do you refine it? Fire! Awesome. So you heat it up, it melts, and all the crap. Can you say crap here? Crud. Okay. And you skim it off, and now the gold's perfectly pure, right? No. If you want it even more pure, what do you have to do? Turn up the heat. The more pure your faith, the hotter the fire. The more pure my faith, the hotter the fire. Say it with me now. Only if you believe it. The more pure my faith, the hotter the fire. 
Who wants to be all that God wants them to be in every possible way? A few less each time, but. I didn't write this, so don't get mad at me. You can cry a little bit. So many times I think we, we think that if things are going wrong, it's a sign that, <coughs> that we don't have faith or, or, or we, we expect to live a life with, with no trials. If that's true, then, in, but growth comes from trials, we're expecting a life with no growth. With no suffering. If we want to be mature and complete, if we want to be all that God wants us to be in every possible way, We need to not just endure the truckloads of weight that, that just seems like it's going to crush us or the fire that seems like it's, it's just going to cook us alive, but consider it joy. How can that be joyful? Because it leads us to Christ. It, 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 it heightens our sense of, of our need for God. <coughs> God wants to refine our faith, and that takes fire. He wants to demonstrate our faith, and that takes weight. And as we get you, and, and wh- when does this stop? Well, six, 62, it hasn't stopped yet. Endurance. It produces endurance. For the long haul. My wife ran a half marathon yesterday. Then got in the car and drove up. We drove up here. That's not a hundred yard dash. But it's also not a full marathon. But our daughter runs 50 mile ultras. Marathons are for wimps. Endurance is over the long haul. Enduring a lot of pain. She loses toenails on those races. But just keeps going. Yeah, shaking your head like who in the right who in the right mind would ever do something like that? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Me too. It's easy, to be, it's easy to be happy when things are going well, when circumstances are the way we want them to be. It's easy to be happy, but joyful when things aren't going well. Joyful when life sucks. Can, can I say that too? We need to embrace the suck. Because that's what reveals our need 
for God. It's what draws us to God. Why don't you take just a minute and, and think what are some of the weights that are crushing you this morning? Could be family problems, health, financial, job. What's the fire that you're in? Maybe you're doing something that's out of your comfort zone. What's your response to these things? Oh, God, why, why me? Poor me. Are you joyful because this is demonstrating God is at work in you? Making you like Jesus. Somebody said, be like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and what was his life like? Bring the PowerPoint up. See, I'm not sure where we uh, left off here. Yeah, consider all joy next. Knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results, so that you may be all that God wants you to be, lacking in nothing. <sighs> but some of you, maybe many, most, have experienced such devastating, soul-shattering pain and trauma that everything I've just said sounds like a cruel joke. It's almost offensive. <laughs> Consider it joy. You don't know. What's happened to me? You're hearing voices that mock it saying, yeah, but this isn't true for you. God couldn't love me because of the trauma and pain that I've experienced. That's why I'm going to try and preach a second sermon this morning. That was the end of my first sermon. World's shortest sermon. I've never preached one in 15 minutes before. I don't know how long the second one will be because it's not written yet. Kind of writing it as we go along. It's being written in my life as we speak, as I come face to face with shattered dreams in my life. Soul-wrenching trauma in the lives of loved ones. And realizing I'm broken myself. So bear with me as I endeavor to take you along on what I desire to be a journey of hope. A painful, bloody journey, but of hope and healing. Real hope that leads to joy, real joy, not a superficial happiness that we feel when things are going well, but something much deeper, a healing joy. Now there are a couple of passages I want to get out for our consideration, so let's... Uh, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. 
You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise, says David in one of his famous in the famous confession of Psalm fifty one. You don't know not, not yet. Back up. Didn't wink at that. If you see me winking at Jordan, it's to get him to. You do not delight in sacrifice. God, but, but you told us to do it. In other places, God says, I'm sick and tired of your sacrifices. He said, but you commanded us to do it. And the problem was, they were honoring him with their, God with their lips, but their heart was far from him. What kind of sacrifice does God want? A broken and contrite heart. God wants you to be broken. Wait, that's, that's not quite right. We are broken. And God wants you to admit it and bring the pieces to him. How often do we spend our lives trying to pretend we're not broken? We come on Sunday morning, you know, and, and we put a lot of body makeup on, you know, and we find some glue and we try to glue the pieces back together and we put a smile on and everybody thinks, hey, everything's, must be, everything's fine in Gary's life. Look how happy he looks. Or I spend my life trying to be good enough. How good can I be? Or trying to show that I got it all together. But I don't. So who's going to come to me and share their broken lives with me? Because how could I possibly understand? Jeremiah says, my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dung, dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Anybody know what a cistern is anymore? Big tank in the ground that holds water. God's people had built, had dug and built broken cisterns that won't hold water. They'd forsaken the, the source of living water and tried to, to get their, their satisfaction from other things. Idolatry. Other gods is the context here. Tried to, to find the life-giving source of, of, of water, of spiritual water that God offers. And they tried to fill their tanks with, fill in the blank, affirmation, money, appreciation, status, 
healthy family, happy family. If all these, if I just had that, my life would be good. Broken cisterns that cannot hold water. When God is off, Jesus told the woman at the, at the well, if you only knew who I was, you would ask me for living water. It's real. But it can't store it in broken cisterns. So if we're broken, what, 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 what hope is there? See, trials and suffering are designed to make us long for God. All these things that we think <laughs> will, will make us happy and satisfy us, our deepest longings to be loved by someone, to be, to be important to, to whatever it is, can only be fulfilled in God. And trials and suffering are designed to show us that, that nothing else is going to satisfy. We cry out, God, you're not giving me the joy and happiness I want. You aren't living up to your end of the bargain. I accepted you and my life still sucks. Where are you, God? Because we're still expecting something else. Circumstances in this life. To fill our tank. To fill our cup. There's a poem a friend of mine wrote. Called The Artist. They say you're an artist, creator of masterpieces, exquisite works of beauty. And I thought I believed until I entered his showroom. It was anything but beautiful, piles of shattered pottery and broken glass, blood dripping from the sharp edges of the largest shards. This was no artist's gallery, more like a crime scene. I wondered what kind of artist would create such chaos. Surely not a good and loving one. Anger and bitterness filled me. What kind of man could bring about such devastation? He must be mad. But seeing him across the room, my fear evaporated. Far from a raving lunatic, he was calm, methodically searching through the fragments with rough Hands cut and bleeding. Carefully selecting shards of various sizes, shapes, and colors. Piecing together an intrinsic, an intricate mosaic. Bringing order from the chaos. And my eyes were opened. This was not a showroom. This was a studio. He was not the author of destruction and chaos, but a genius bringing beauty from brokenness. The blood was his. The price he paid for picking up the shattered pieces. 
and I realize beauty can rise from ashes. But only after something burns. And those who close their eyes and curse the flames will never see it. And no artist's signature piece should be judged before the artist cries out, it is finished, and applies his signature. Beautiful artwork made from brokenness. The master's hands, the artist's hands, bloody from lovingly picking up the shards and making something beautiful. No matter how broken and shattered we are, book, Shattered Dreams, God's Unexpected Path to Real Joy. Some of us have lived horrific things. Your lives are shattered. And you can't talk about it to anybody. Uh, One of the, no, Bill was saying something about the whole person this morning. We want to minister to the whole person. And we, I'm discovering we tend to worry a lot about the, the body, the physical, make sure that people have food and shelter, and that, that's all good stuff. And their spirit, you know, you know, make sure they know Jesus and go to heaven. But what about, our, what about our soul? What about our emotions? What about who we really are as a person? Does anybody really care? Can we talk to somebody about the pain and shatteredness of our, of our lives? Does anybody really care? The artist does. Next. There's an art form in Japan called kintsuji, or golden joinery, or golden repair. They repair pottery by putting gold in the cracks. How often do we spend our lives trying to pretend we're not broken, trying to show that we're strong enough and capable enough, and if I just try harder, I I can keep it all together? When in fact, God wants to put gold. Heal us. Yes, heal the shatteredness and make it something even more beautiful. But we have to bring him the broken pieces. sharp, jagged shards of our heart. They've been broken by who knows what, unspeakable atrocities that shattered our souls. And God can put gold in the cracks. And it becomes even more beautiful. And instead of trying to hide our cracks... Gosh, as leaders, how often do we try to pretend we have no cracks, that we're not broken? What a travesty. May God forgive us. Because we're all, we're all broken. And don't compare your brokenness to somebody else's. 
mine's pretty important to me. It may not be yours. We're all shattered. We've all had our traumas. What if the church became a place where shattered shards were built into, into mosaic, beautiful mosaics or pottery repaired with gold? And people could look and see, yes, you're broken, but, but there's gold in your cracks. This is why James can say, consider it joy. Not because... Oh, fun, another trial. Hallelujah. No. Because that's the path to true healing. First, admitting. <coughs> See, so many times we go to God and, 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 we, and we try to fake him out. We, we, we try to tell him how good we're doing, you know, and how good a person we are and, 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 and how he really should treat us better than he does and all sorts of things. But God wants to take our brokenness and heal it. And, and not just heal it, but make it more beautiful where he gets the glory. And yet we try to pretend that we're okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. When we're not. Next. Oh, that's it? Then I'll just read it. <coughs> From Hebrews 4, 12 through 16. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing is hidden Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize. Oh gosh, who's longing for someone just to, just to listen to your soul and empathize? Not, not try to fix you. We can't fix each other. My problem, <laughs> my cistern's broken. So what do I do? I try to siphon water out of my wife's broken cistern. How's, ask me how that's working for me. We can't siphon water out of your broken cistern. We can't fix each other. But wouldn't it be nice to have somebody just empathize and just be there with us in our, in our pain and suffering and shatteredness? Jesus is able to empathize. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. Tempted. This, this, this is an interesting word, tempted, because it's the same word for trial. Same word. So he's been tried in every way. 
he's had the same truckload of weight crushing him. He understands it. Just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Throne of grace. What's grace? I preach grace here. What is grace? Getting something you don't deserve. So that we may receive mercy. What's mercy? Not getting something you do deserve. Wow. Yeah, the wages of sin is death. We do deserve, I mean, we've, but we have a high priest who empathizes with our brokenness, whose hands are bloody with the shards of our lives. We may receive mercy and find grace for help in our time of need. Go back slide there, Jordan. Some of us are just a pile of shards. Big pile. And you're wondering, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he hasn't. He hasn't. And I can't make a formula for this, but, but he wants to take your shards and not make stuff not have ever happened. That can't happen. But to take the, the, the broken pieces our broken souls, and, and mend them into something beautiful. But we have to take our, our shattered souls to him. And we trust him, trust the pieces to the artist. Pray. Father, we thank you for Sending Jesus. Thank you for his bloody hands, Lord. As you put pieces together from shattered souls, Father. Broken lives. Oh, God. Be at work making beautiful mosaics. Put gold in our cracks, Father. I'm sure there's people here, Father, that are just crushed and shattered inside. Bring healing into their lives, Father. Make them all you want them to be in every possible way. Restore them the joy of their salvation. Give them hope, Father, a healing 